Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome to the latest edition of the Pony Stampede Podcast, a Friday Night Lights edition of the Pony Stampede Podcast. I am your host, Jordan Hoffeditz. Um Schedule's been a little crazy uh, because the schedule's been a little crazy, but let's uh, let's get to some things. Let's start off with what made big waves uh, in social media and around some secondary media markets uh, with the news of players sitting out in order to maintain eligibility and transfer at the end of the season. Um, You know, obviously this ended up taking on a life of its own. It started with two players, then went to four players, um, and then through just bad journalism, turned into mass exodus and, you know, tons of players and that this was a problem and this was an issue uh, where it really wasn't. Um, but let's focus on the on what it was. And it was two players in Roderick Daniels and Chance Cromartie wanting to sit out to maintain eligibility to enter the transfer portal. Uh, Isaiah Wachobia and... Jalen Record were also mentioned in a separate report, um, which I don't think ever manifested itself. Both Record and Nokobia um, never left practice, never sat out practices or anything like that. Uh, Wachobia has been dealing with a hamstring injury that might be closing in on having a finish to it. I have an unconfirmed... Uh, source saying that it might also have to do with a position change. The staff would like Wachobia to take um, moving down from safety to linebacker, um, which would require him to put on some weight and to to do some different things than he's done in the past. Again, don't know how much truth there is to that. Um, We'll see in the coming weeks uh, what happens there. Um, So that was in in a secondary report doesn't really seem like either of those two um, ever truly considered taking that route. Um, maybe thought about it, but never never came close to taking that jump. Um, obviously, Daniels and Cromartie uh, left practice in order to do so. Um, Daniels is now back. Uh, it looks like that is no longer what he's looking to do. Some uh, Coach Lashley put some of that into context uh, for everybody. Um, unfortunately, his father uh, passed away either just before or just after the TCU game. Um, and it was after that that he sat down with Coach Lashley and uh, expressed his desire to maintain his eligibility and find a new place to play. Um, you know, since then... Jake Bailey might be out for the season now, um, but certainly hasn't been able to stay consistently healthy, and that's that slot receiver spot that Daniels plays. 
So whether he realized that there is going to be playing time uh, this season, whether it was just, you know, playing at SMU, which is, you know, a decision he made when his dad was around was going to be too hard with his dad not around and he wanted a fresh start. You know, I'm, I'm fortunate I've, I'm not in that situation. Uh, I haven't been in that situation. I can't imagine what that's like for um, an 18, 19, 20-year-old uh, kid to have to do. Um, but apparently, you know, less than a week or a week, about a week um, after sitting down with Lashley and having that conversation, he was back at practice uh, and he seems like he is all in on being with SMU. So this went from a four-player, there's an there's a culture issue, there's you know an issue with the players versus the staff. This is going to get worse. Um, to really, it's it's one player, and it's a senior safety that, um, you know, nothing against Chase, but with with what was brought in, I mean, not gonna see the field much if at all, and if at all in some meaningless minutes. Um, so, you know, for Chase, hope that he does uh, find a place to to use his remaining eligibility that makes him happy. Um, for the staff, ultimately, I think if you have a player that doesn't want to be there, I would rather know October 1st than January 9th when the portal opens. Um with, with scholarships the way they are in the transfer portal anyway, that just kind of is almost a better thing to have a heads up there. Clearly not the mass exodus issue that um, a lot of secondary sites were posting about and people were uh, discussing on Twitter uh, with as much knowledge as we know how some people are on Twitter. So that's why I didn't really say too much about this because I did kind of feel like something else was coming, whether it was going to be another group of players doing the same thing um, or kind of this now veering back to normalcy of, well, out of the four it was really only two, and out of the two now it's only one. Um, so I think that can uh, kind of settle some, some things down on that front. You know, this is the the era of the transfer. I know it's the NIL area, but era, but really it's the, it's the era of transfer. If you look at, um, some waivers and stuff that have been done for basketball for players that are two time transfers and things like that, it's easier now to transfer and play than it has ever been. Uh, and things like this are going to happen. Um, and I think, uh, I think this is a best case scenario for SMU. It's a shame that SMU kind of became the, early poster child for that um obviously a lot more was done uh retweeting and recirculating the story of four players leaving than the story of two players out of those four never actually leaving and one of them coming back will um but that's just kind of the way things are right now um kind of piggybacking that uh with some injury stuff um you know, per the way SMU does it with Coach Lashley, he's the only one that is supposed to give official injury updates. Um, 
obviously we've been able to talk to some coaches because we've been able to see some guys back and, and they'll give a little here and there. Um, he did coach Lashley did mention that Jake Bailey could be out for the season, um, on Tuesday's availability. Um, and I don't know if that's just, if the shoulder got that much worse, if the realization that playing with that shoulder just isn't possible. And again, limiting the number of games he's played to maintain a red shirt and be able to come back next year. Um, hopefully that is something that can kind of be sorted out over the next couple days. Uh, in my story on Jalen Thomas, um, obviously he stepped up and played right tackle last week uh, for the first time since his freshman year. Uh, looks like he will be very possibly at left tackle this week with Owen Condon coming back, but Marcus Bryant being out. Uh, Bryant missed a play, I think maybe even just one play in the UCF game. Injury looked worse. Uh, we were kind of surprised that he popped back up and came back in that quickly, um, but it might be something that keeps him out of this week's game or at least keeps him out of starting. Um which uh, Jalen Thomas just continues to show some versatility and, and continues to kind of be the, the linchpin for that offensive line, uh, keeping it working and, and keeping it together. Uh, in our discussions with him, you can read some of his comments, but, um, you know, they, the offensive line does take some of the, the running struggles, the rushing number struggles uh, on their shoulders. It's something they know about, and it's something that they are working on. And then when it comes to Friday night's game, um, I know a lot is probably going to be made about the attendance, right or wrong. Uh, this was never going to be a highly attended game. It's a Friday night game in Texas. It's done so that American teams can be on ESPN uh, versus no other college football games really which is great most places uh in texas that puts you up against high school football games uh which can hurt uh i mean college students are much more likely to go to a saturday morning or saturday afternoon game than they are friday night game i don't know if the attendance numbers will be worrisome because of what they what this team has done the last few weeks, and of course because of everything that came out of the fan experience of the TCU game, um, I think take them with a grain of salt. No, going into the game that the numbers were never going to be great. They might not be as good as they were going to be, but um, I wouldn't take that into into too much about really anything, especially with. Uh, Homecoming coming up and a, a game against Houston coming up that will be much better indicators of uh, what the fans think about still going to SMU games. Uh, and then finally off that, before we get into the actual game, uh, two things. Uh, saw the tweet, uh, Hacksaw Jimmy uh, and his wife are flying in and coming to the game. And sorry, Hacksaw Jim, not Hacksaw Jimmy, my apologies. Uh, he and his wife are coming to the game. Of course, he played uh, for SMU football before 
his wrestling days began. Um, also uh, saw some discussions about some of the pregame ceremonies uh, for this game. There is going to be a flyover and some paratroopers. Um, and yeah, for a game against uh, a military academy, uh, those things happen. I think people still have a little PTSD about wearing black in the bowl game against Navy. Um, you know, these are these are things that you just kind of get to do when you play the, the military academies. I think enjoy them more so than worry about what message it sends about having um, army pilots and marine paratroopers uh with it i or i guess flip that excuse me it is a it is a marine flyover and the army golden knight parachute team um beginning at 6:15 friday night um i i don't think that's you know trying to make it a home game for navy i don't think that's trying to do anything more than um you know, promoting a, a bit of a military theme to tonight's game, which comes when you play a military academy. That's all for this first part. We will get into the game when we return. Again, this is the Pony Stampede podcast. We will be right back. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the Pony Stampede podcast. Again, I am your host, Jordan Hoffeditz, and we are preparing for some Friday Night Lights tonight against Navy. Uh, this is a game a lot of people circle on the calendar when the schedule comes out because of what Navy does. Uh, they run that triple option uh, out of just so many different formations with so many different moving parts. Uh, it's a tough offense to prepare for because one you don't see it anymore no almost no one else outside of the military academies runs anything like it uh and two because of that you don't have the guys to really simulate what they do at the level they do it and the speed that they do it so it's just it's a really hard um thing to try and simulate in practice uh i know uh, SMU put their scout team together the best that they thought could they they could with this style and 
Um, heard that group praised a little bit after uh, both Monday and Tuesday's practices of uh, giving the defense a, a pretty good look at what they would be seeing. Um, I've gone back and forth on this. Navy is coming off their best game offensively since 2019. Uh, that was an 11-win team um, that I believe the American was still in division formats and Navy's only divisional loss kept them out of the conference championship game uh, that year. They only had one conference loss. Um, and so obviously they have not been that great since then. They won uh, three games the next year, four the year last year, um, and they've struggled a little bit. Even early in this season, they haven't been that, even though they picked up that at the time, surprise double overtime win at East Carolina after East Carolina came out hot. Uh, ECU has since cooled off. Navy showed what it can really do. Um, so that's kind of that's kind of the hard part of trying to make a lot out of some of these early season games when you don't quite know what teams are. Um, but I don't know. Do you want to play a team that's about to break out into its best offensive performance or do you want a team that's coming off of it excuse me coming off of it and possibly you know know what they look like at their best and and try and stop it um to put their best into perspective uh it was just complete domination um 455 rushing yards on 69 carries and five touchdowns. Um, there was only uh, only two completions uh, for 35 yards, and one of them was a 26-yard touchdown that was a throwback to the quarterback. Um, that being said, Navy has thrown it almost as many times through five games this year than they did all of last season. So they are kind of stepping up those passing numbers, um, but they are going to be a run first option team at the end of the day. Um, great name. I believe it is uh, Daba Fofana. Uh, he's their fullback. He's a sophomore. Um, 5'8". 205 compact runner low center of gravity just kind of the the guy they like in in those positions uh he has been their top guy so far this season he's averaging 4.1 yards a carry um and out of those 67 carries he's only lost a total of 11 yards um He's their top guy with 275 yards right now. Uh, Mikel Haywood uh, is their other 200-yard rusher. Um, he, only, he only has 41 carries right now for 203 yards. That gives him a 5.0 yard per carry average. Um, you know, this is a team, obviously, Ty Levitai, uh is their quarterback. He's going to going to be the one that gets it all moving and rolling and shaking and 
he has the other three rushing touchdowns for this team, a total of 147 yards. He loses some yardage with some sack numbers. Um, But really, his passing numbers aren't awful. He's 27 of 56. Yes, that is under 50%. um, But 524 yards and two touchdowns with no interceptions out of that gives him a really nice uh, efficiency number. Um, You know, they have three receivers with over 100 yards receiving. I mean, they've just got guys that make plays. They don't make mistakes. They just try to wear you down. So the biggest thing defensively is third down. Because Navy's not going to be about the chunk plays. They're not. They're perfectly fine getting three, four yards of carry every single time. Do that three times, it's a first down. So what the defense is going to have to do is in those third and three, third and two, third and one situations that they're going to be in, they have to find a way to get that stop. Um, Coach uh, Simons talked a lot about really working on not just bringing the backs down, but bringing the backs down backwards, not letting them fall forward. Um, just a lot of those things that you kind of take for granted uh, against a quote-unquote normal offense uh, that the Navy offense kind of thrives upon and works on, uh, those sorts of things. Um, so it's going to be a little bit of a battle of wills. Um, it's going to be up to the linebackers a lot, I think, which is unfortunate that that's a group that might be as beat up as any on the defensive side of the ball. Um, but if the D line can keep those alignment engaged and the linebackers can, you know, keep their eye on the ball, uh, and make those plays and the, the secondary can come downhill and maybe finish off some of those plays. I think that's kind of the key to the defensive success, um, that you'll see. And it's, there are going to be, there's going to be at least one drive where Navy, you know, converts every third down, has it for eight minutes. Um, and I think, SMU would be fine with one of those drives. It's a lot of those drives. I mean, you look at the time of possession numbers uh, in that Tulsa game, which was, what, 40 minutes and 26 seconds for Navy, under 20 minutes for Tulsa. That's what can't happen. And that was even Navy going 6 of 16 on third down. Now, Navy did convert two of its, both of its fourth down conversions. But, you know, that was holding Navy pretty well. Uh, Even taking 8 of 16, I mean, that's 50%. And Navy still racked up over 40 minutes of possession. On the flip side of that, and this is what is going to be big as well, SMU has to make most of every offensive opportunity. Those quick three and outs cannot happen. Turnovers cannot happen. Red zone trips have to be touchdowns because Tulsa was 3 of 10 on third downs. They only got into the red zone once, and they barely had the ball for more than a quarter's worth of the game. While 
Navy was able to just grind them down. So that's really what it's about. It's about keeping their offense off the field, keeping your offense on the field, and really it's finishing in the end zone, which has been this SMU team's Achilles heel. Um, I will admit the red zone numbers never look as bad when I look them up as they feel when watching the games. Um, There is a little bit of just bad timing on when the SMU red zone struggles have happened. Uh, They were the worst at Maryland. You lose that by seven. Um, You know, they weren't great uh, in some other games. But that's that's ultimately something that's got to change. Uh, offensive coordinator Casey Woods, you know, said that they probably put the most dedicated red zone work together this week. Um, they came back from Orlando and went right to it because they kind of wanted to see what some of those things that weren't working were and wanted to figure out if it was execution, if it was the scheme, if it was the personnel, and to kind of find the right fit for all of those uh, to get in there. And then just confidence of running that play, running that play against a defender. Um, You know, talked a little bit about uh, the two possible catches that Bo Corrales could have made in the UCF game. Uh, One definitely would have been a touchdown. I think the other one would as well. both of them ended up being complete pa- incomplete passes. Uh, and, you know, just brought up, obviously, Bo has dealt with uh, injuries throughout his career, had the other injury this fall camp. And what Coach Woods talked about was, you know, maybe it was a little bit of the injury, maybe it was a little bit of the defense, but really just reps. You know, Bo missed a lot of uh, practice time and then the first couple games to just not have those types of reps. And so they really wanted to focus on getting him and others reps, physical red zone reps to where they could feel confident and comfortable uh, in making those plays uh, consistently. And uh, at the end of the day, this is a must-win football game. Uh, The narrative the last three weeks has been the same. Um, It's the same that's come out of me it's the same that's come out of the coaches it's the same that's come out of the players it's the played a really good team played well and lost now some of that played well part went out the window against UCF because the second half they did not play well problem is the first half they might have played to an extent some of their best I thought that was some of the best the defense has looked uh all season in the first half um Rushing the ball, that was the best SMU has looked all season in that first half. Uh, Just a lot of good things in that first half that went out the window in a hurry. But look, a a loss to Navy, and credit to Navy. Navy is not a bad football team, but Navy is also not what SMU has faced the last three weeks. Navy is not a game that you can say, but look at who we played. That would be a fourth straight loss. It would be a second conference loss, which pretty much in the format that the conference is in now takes you out of conference 
championship game talk. Um, and it would then come with Cincinnati uh, coming into town next week, which means everything can snowball with a loss pretty quickly. Um, you get a win. You finally get back on track. And then who knows what happens against Cincinnati. We'll we'll get into all that next week. But in order to make that game really matter and really give yourself uh, a reason for wanting to, to play that game and win that game and uh, keep the things ahead of you that you want ahead of you, you got to beat Navy. And with Navy's style of play, it might not be pretty, um, I do think maybe it needs to be a l- at least a little bit convincing. You know, I don't know if a last-second field goal or or anything may- would make me feel much better. Um, but right now, for this team, a win is a win, and they need to win badly. Um, just as a team, just to get that loss stretch out, just a lot of it. Um, so we'll see what they do. I think... I think they win this game. Um, I think this defense has shown enough that when there is something an opposing offense does well, I think they've done a good job of taking it away, Uh, especially early. You know, I think when especially UCF was able to do some things, um, it was because they had kind of gotten uh, SMU's offense out of a rhythm and had gotten the game on their side a little bit and just they were playing with a full deck and SMU was kind of pushing uh, things a little bit but you know I think going back to the the UNT game you know they had a plan against uh, Asanani to to make him a pocket passer they forced him to do that um, you know against uh Tagovailoa at Maryland, you know, they wanted to, they didn't want him to hurt them with his legs. Uh, they did that. Uh, they kept him mostly in the pocket the entire time uh, and did a really nice job there. Um, but again, both sides of the ball, finish. You know, for the defense, that's going to be playing four quarters of relentless defense against uh, this Navy offense. For the offense, that means finish drives in the end zone uh, and ultimately finish the game with a win. It's a must-win game. They've got to feel that. Um, And if there is some pressure with it, use it. Use that pressure. Feel that pressure and use it. Uh, Because this is not a bad football team. I don't think it's a great football team. I I think a great football team would have found a way to win at least one of the last three games. But this is a good two really good football team if they can get it together. And this week is, is the week they have to show us that they can get it together. So we'll see what happens. It is a six thirty kickoff from Ford SMU versus Navy. Uh, and we'll see how it goes again. Thanks for listening. Make sure you like and subscribe on whatever platform you get your podcasts. Subscribe to 24-7. Make sure your subscription status is up to date so you can get in on the conversation and see all the VIP content. Uh, Join the conversation during the game. Uh, We got a game thread that uh, goes from a little before kickoff 
and then we'll have a quick react right afterwards. Uh, just kind of love to, to talk to you guys uh, during the game of what you guys are watching either in the stands or at home and what I'm seeing from either on the sideline or in the press box. Uh, I've had some good, pretty good uh, chats on, on some things throughout the year and want to keep that going. Uh, so make sure you're subscribed and up to date, and we'll catch you next time.